You're listening to Borderline Idealist. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday for new episodes where we focus on introverts, highly sensitive people, and mental health. Log on to BorderlineIdealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and to find ways to support us. Together, we can give a voice to introverts and tear down mental health stigma. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Borderline Idealist. My name is Chris, the INFJ. And I'm AJ, the INFP. So today we will be discussing a topic which I'm sure many are familiar with. The topic is validation and or lack thereof. We're going to be discussing um, something in particular, something that's very personal to Ajani. So why don't you get us started, Ajani? How have you navigated validation from a special person in your life? The validation I've been looking for all my life has come from my father. We're trying to get that from my father. So it started when I was younger, knowing that he came from a lower income family and became a professional. And seeing this and and living that experience made him want his children to do even better than he did. So at a young age, it was forced upon me that I would go to college and hopefully become a doctor, lawyer, something along those lines. I think that's pretty popular with or common with millennials, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... I think we hear that from a lot of our parents sometimes. They just want the best for us. And they want us to live up to these certain expectations. And when we tell them, you know, that's not really what... Um, what I feel like my life, where I feel like my life is going, they let us know that you have to set those things aside and just achieve, 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 because they feel that as children, we don't know what is best for us. Or as a child, there was a time where they thought they knew what, what was best for them. And it turned out it wasn't, but they forget that you're a kid and you're still on a journey of self-discovery and what I've seen is that you shouldn't try to pick out a path for your child before they've picked out their own path when you do that it's only going to leave you wanting more from them so it's kind of like um you know with our relationship where I remember at the beginning I mentioned that I don't I wouldn't want you to put me up on a pedestal and and set certain expectations for me but you're perfect <laughs> to, for me to hit <laughs> because I will not I'm going to do my best I, I I do try really hard to be the best person that I can be but nobody is capable of that to do that every single day so and if you put people up on pedestals then they're going to eventually fall for them yeah so, so what's uh, with my father, we recently had a conversation that made me want to speak about this topic where I told him that I had borderline personality disorder. And I had told him before, 
but it, it seems maybe he just had it it had a register in his mind or hadn't really thought about it. What was his reaction when you told him the first time? The first time uh, was when I uh, went to a mental institution. Uh, previously, I was going to counseling on campus, and I hadn't told my parents about that. But I had a suicide attempt, and I ended up in uh, a, mis- a mental hospital. And I remember my father crying. That was probably the first time I think I saw my dad cry. Hmm. And the first time I saw that I had um, some power over him, um, and I saw the the love that he had. And not power that I could use, but just, you know, I didn't think... I guess I really never thought he cared about me like that. You didn't think that anything in your life would affect him to that degree of physically and outwardly showing, expressing a certain emotion. Yeah. And after uh, I went to the mental hospital a couple of other times, he told me that he had lost sympathy for me and he no longer felt bad for me. So I would uh, be found cutting myself or, or trying to kill myself. And he would just be like, you're doing this for attention. You're doing this for this. You're doing it for that. You know, but not really seeing that I was doing it because I was hurting so much inside and there was something I something I couldn't understand and something that, that no one could really get to the bottom of until I found a name for it and that was uh, borderline personality disorder. So... With the conversation that we had, he told me that he had felt a lot of the things that BPD, the the symptoms, had entailed. You know, the depression, the anxiety, but he just called it normal life depression. He said, this is just what people go through in life. And people struggle. They uh, go to jobs that they don't like, but they get money and they come home and then they go about their business so it's not really about being happy it's just about being successful and that's how he saw uh success and for me as a idealist i saw success as being happy can i can i can we do a short um psa on (laughs) on uh depression because i feel like it we've we talked about it a little bit before about there is no such thing as Oh, everyday, regular, regular, yeah, everyday regular life depression. depression. Right? Yeah, and, and um, we've discussed it with another friend of yours as well, who's also a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, please be advised, everyone, mm-hmm. that's not a thing, and you shouldn't feel like that every single day of your yeah, life. There's a, if you feel like that, there's something wrong. There's a, a difference between sadness, something that you can get over uh, after a while, and then depression, something that doesn't go away. Uh, or, or even if you do have depression, whereas short-term, I, I like to think of it as short and long-term or chronic depression where a person you love dies, and I believe some people will go through a depression period, or maybe a, you know, you'd get divorced, or you lose somebody, something in your life that changes drastically. You may go through a depression period, but it's a short period. Maybe a couple of 
weeks, months, maybe years, a short number of years, but eventually you will get out and you won't return to that space. Whereas to long-term or chronic depression, it's something that you deal with every single day of your life where you struggle to stay in a positive mindset, right? Yes, and, and something that I need to take medication for, something that I need to have counseling for, and I didn't I didn't know that before because like my father said, I thought I thought it was just regular life depression and maybe that's how he yeah, well, I, I know that's how he saw it too. So when I would come to my dad when I was younger and say I feel this way or I'm, I'm feeling down, I'm still feeling down. I, I feel anxious. I, I feel my heart being really fast and I feel out of my body. He would say, these are normal things that people go through. And I really felt that was how it was. But unfortunately, that's not the best way to live your life. And that's not a normal way to live your life. You can find happier ways to live your life to reach some kind of stability. Mm-hmm. So my father didn't really understand where I was coming from. He didn't really understand my mental condition because it wasn't something that he could physically see. It was something that was internal mm-hmm. and something that I felt. And it's hard to... to tell somebody about the things that is are, are going on inside of you mm-hmm. because they're not so apparent to everyone. It's like when you put pictures on Facebook or on Twitter and you're showing everyone that you're happy, everyone thinks that you're succeeding, that everything is perfect, everything is great, you have a child, you have a job, but on the inside, things are different. So I constantly looked to my dad for this this validation of his idea of success. I um, couldn't find it through going to college because I would end up in mental institutions. And he said he lost sympathy for me. But when I finally got this big job and started getting promotions and started making more money, then he showed me attention and showed that he was really... Uh, proud of me so his proud- demeanor changed towards you yes he showed that that he was uh more he he saw that i was being successful and through that i thought that i was being successful too and i thought that i was happy but the entire time to get through that job that i i, I didn't hate i just i never really felt comfortable because of how I was feeling, I had to um, usually smoke pot to get through or drink a lot, and it didn't make my life any better. So it, it sounds like you, I mean, I, I'm sure you did enjoy those, or those feelings of, that you were getting when you were getting the promotions and you know getting more money. That was something that was a positive change, and mm-hmm. I think because your parent, your father and you know, I'm sure the other family members were responding in such a way that you maybe you weren't accustomed to that only made you push for more. But through that, and of course, I kind of came into your life towards the later, about midway point, right? Mm-hmm. Midway through that, through this experience, where just the pressure of 
performing at that level, I, th- I feel like was starting to wear you down. Well, before you had come into my life, I had swore off all my past medication because I felt like I didn't need it any longer. I felt like I needed to do this by myself. I didn't need to go to therapy. I didn't need to take pills. I needed to be strong enough to live my life myself. But when I got with Chris and then I got another promotion, then I started going back to my doctor and getting on my regular medication. And I thought that would just be enough to help get me through. But I was still smoking pot. I was still drinking. Then I was taking antidepressants. You know, so so drinking antidepressant and taking antidepressants. That's uh, not recommended. Drugs. Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> and I wasn't talking to a therapist because I and I would tell Chris this a lot. I just want to take care of it myself. I mm-hmm. say that a lot too. I just want to take care of it myself. But it is so difficult to take care of depression yourself. It's so difficult to take care of BPD yourself because it brings a lot of things into your life that are hard to handle um, being solitary. And I, we discussed this. I think we sort of came to the realization that during that period when you were drinking and, and smoking a lot, it wasn't really that you were actually handling it, right? You weren't taking care of the problem. You were only masking it. It was like, a, it was like putting a, a, a Band-Aid, right, over a womb mm-hmm. that was growing and getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And so the smoking and the drinking would made you be okay for that day or that afternoon, that evening when you would come home. It was a short-term cure for a long-term problem. Yes. You know, I could, even now when I'm going through a hard day, I'll be like, man, I wish I could just get high just for a little while so I don't have to think about what I'm thinking about. But I know if I do that... The problem doesn't go away. It doesn't solve anything. It's still going to be there when I come down. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I was smoking so much of my money away Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so much of my time. And I didn't even feel real anymore. I, I didn't feel like a person anymore. I felt like a robot. It wasn't enjoyable. It was just, it made my life even harder. And when, you know, I didn't have money to get it or I, I couldn't reach um, my guy to get it, um, it was mm. just hell because I, I was running around the house like I feel useless. Yeah, I don't like know. Symptoms. Yeah, I don't know what to do. And so when I came down off of it cold turkey, that was really hard because I didn't have anything else to turn to especially when I left my job I had saved up um, some money and I had to really ration that money and I wanted to spend it all on more marijuana so I could just you know because I was just like I left my job because I wasn't feeling so good and now I feel like everyone's gonna be talking about me like where's he going is he being successful Mm. You know, so it's There's just that the, validation. Yeah, I I needed that. I I needed to feel like I was making other people happy, and the the main person I needed to feel like I was making happy was my father. But I ended up telling him after this recent phone call that 
I can't live my life like that. I just cannot live my life to make one person proud. And it made me think about all the other people in my life that I make proud by just being alive, by just being me, by doing this podcast with Chris and and talking about our problems, um, uh, writing my blog, writing poetry. Writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that you do. Yeah. And there are things that I can do other than, you know, trying to change. Because wealth is good. Money is good. But it, for for me, maybe it makes other people super happy. But for me, it just feels like a burden. So I just, I don't want to live my life chasing down a paycheck, chasing down promotions, and trying to be the big man on campus. Well, and it's... Like we talked about as well, that where you can't really buy yourself into happiness. You know, when you were when you were having when you were employed full time and you were making well and you were well off financially, making enough money to pay off all your bills and then have an extra income to buy whatever you wanted or do whatever you wanted, you were still not happy during that time. And that's something that we talked about, where we constantly we because we are looking for validation from others sometimes their ideals of success and happiness don't match up with ours and when we try to when we try to meet those goals or or impose them on ourselves that's when we end up not being happy and not being our true selves and you know when I'll just stop at that <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i feel like this story does have a semi-happy ending. I, I, after I hung up on my dad, I'm like, I'm tired of you, you know, telling me what to do. I'm tired of trying to make you proud. I, I did call him back today and, and apologize for hanging up on him and told him that I did love him and that, you know, it's okay if he doesn't accept my, my mental disorder because it's important for me to have my father in my life. And just like it took him a bit to except me being gay. The first time I told him I was gay, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to understand it. He did, and and that was great. I mean, eventually he came around. He even came to um, Chris and my uh, commitment ceremony, wedding party sort of thing. <laughs> we just, like, went to the courthouse, and then we had a party afterwards. But... You know, he even came to that. And he supported us. He drove three hours. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, he told me that he loved me, too. And I guess that's enough for right now. It's just small steps. He can't react the way that I want him to. He's not really a hugger. He's he's not really someone that understands mental conditions. He doesn't really understand depression. But he's gone through it before. And he might still be going through it. Who knows? But it's just something he doesn't understand the same way that I do. And I'm thankful that I understand mental health the way that I do now because I can make my life better and better for the people around me. So, yeah. And I think a lot of us sort of go through some some variations or some levels of that with our parents and, and learning to let go of their expectations and our deals for ourselves getting to that spot where you say, you know, I love you, I know you want the best for me, but I can't follow the road that you have chosen for me. 
Did you go that do that with your parents, Chris? I mean, what do you think? A first generation immigrant? <laughs> uh, I think yes. I very much went through something very similar. I feel like for on my end, it, it may be a little bit more complicated because, well, I think it's very similar to yours because your father also grew up from uh, a poor background where he had to make himself. Um, as they say, pull himself up from the bootstraps, right? Mm-hmm. And make something of himself. Similarly, my parents did the same. They come from very poor background. They didn't go to school. That was That's the main difference from our parents, I guess. My parents didn't get a high school education. So their understanding of the world and of a lot of other things may have been limited by that, but they still did their best. And all they knew was that Education was the best thing that they could give me to get ahead of them or where they are in life or where they were. So they put all, and of course also me being the first child, (laughs) they put all their hopes and dreams into me. And, you know, I felt that burden, not only because of them, but also because I was a reflection. They put me on the pedestal, on the child pedestal, and they said... Because you're perfect. And they told my sisters, look... Look at your brother. He's he's learning English, and he's doing this, and he's doing that. You have to try really hard. You have to be like him. You have to go to school and do this and that. So not only was I trying to impress my parents or follow their you know, their guidelines and, and do what they wanted me to do and exceed, but I also had to do it because I they put me in front of my sisters, and they said, you know, you have to emulate your brother. And... So that kind of added another layer of, <laughs> of um, what's that word? It just complexity. Added, I guess. <laughs> it, it, so yeah, it just compounded. I felt like the the expectations that it was placed upon me, and then of course you know, uh, my parents have given up so much. I feel like all parents do this. You know, they give up part of their lives to raise us, and to most parents do this (laughs) Um, to raise us to give us a better life than they had and because of my age my mother had me when I was 17 when she was 17 so we were we're not that you know we're not like like with you and your mom where she's a little older let's not say the age (laughs) but so my mom is a lot younger than most of my friends moms so I was able to I feel like understand our situation a little bit better. I kind of had to grow up a little faster than most kids and that I helped my mom take care of my younger sisters. I have two younger sisters, one's five and the other one's seven years younger than me. So I remember changing diapers, feeding, uh, preparing and feeding the bottles. And when I say changing diapers, I mean cloth diapers, <laughs> not <laughs> not huggies or anything. No pampers. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. You know, I did that, and then when because my parents both worked, and sometimes they had two jobs, both of them, I would be, uh, when we were with the babysitter, my mom would always be like, you have to look after your sisters, make sure nothing happens to them. And, you know, little things like that where maybe you don't really think about it much, but it does kind of affect you because it adds certain burdens to it that normal children wouldn't be expected to to yeah. be aware of a lot of stress on a kid that you know you kind of want your kid i guess to kind of have fun 
and be carefree and explore the world around mm-hmm. them. But you have to become an adult really fast, it sounds mm-hmm. like. And I, I feel like my mom did try to keep me a child as long as she could. But, I mean, our circumstances w- were what they were. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to work and I had to help out a little bit. And because of that, that just kind of when we moved to the States... Um, and we had this wonderful opportunity of getting an education. And, and, you know, the American dream was... The American dream is that your, the next generation will can and most likely will do better than the previous one, right? Than your parents. So I was sold on that dream. And, and so my parents passed all of their hopes and dreams for what their lives could have been onto me and my sister's. And then we had to struggle with finding our own place in our world and doing the best we could, knowing that our parents sacrificed so much for us. And and that and we know we all parents sacrifice this and that and um but my parents had to cross a country uh a border and they faced a lot of very difficult situations and had to do a lot of very difficult jobs, like working in the fields. And cleaning toilets and working in the sun doing landscaping or mechanic or this or that I mean it was a lot and I'm aware of it only because I'm a little bit older than my sisters so I was able to retain it a little bit longer so that just I felt that pull on me that weight of the expectation that I I had to be something that would make my parents proud. That would make my family proud. So, as I was <laughs> coming through, you know, life and going to college, I was fortunate enough to be able to attend college. And But then I was like, you know what? I want to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, of course, was like, are you sure you don't want to be a lawyer or, or uh, a doctor or an architect? I'm like, no. I want to take photos. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did I do this for? <laughs> and so it, I think it was a little hard for my, my parents to kind of, I think it took them a little bit to come around it. But I was like, well, you know, I can do my own thing. I can do freelance. I can do weddings. I can do events. And photography pays pretty well, you know. And, and I think also when they saw my work and they saw that actually it did have potential in that and my teachers told them, all of my art teachers raved to my parents. I, I, not to brag, but a lot of my teachers <laughs> always raved about me. Just because I was such a well good, good student and I was such a nerd. But my art teachers also did that. And, and so my parents did support me in, in that art the art field. They, they did give me special lessons when I was in high school. They enrolled me in those drawing classes things, the online learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, I felt so bad because it was a waste of money. <laughs> it was because it, it's it's hard to do online learning, but um, but I think it did motivate me a little bit to follow a career in art. So, yeah. So you feel like you you felt like you need to get validation from them, but in the end, there came a time where it was of course during college. Where I, where I found myself, and I said, Mom, my Dad, I love you both, but I I really don't care so much about money. Like, I know 
it's important and you need it to to get certain things in life you know to get a nice house or a nice car go out eating with friends this and that you do need money to do certain things but to me it's not my ultimate goal I just don't have that drive that um, CEOs and these other people that that work in Wall Street or you know those type of people I just don't have that in me and and you know I had to say I love you guys and I know you want to do the best for me but I have to do what makes me happy and I know at the core of what you want for your children is for us to be happy so if I can find a job that where I can live comfortably and have a really happy life I would be that would be so amazing I don't care if I if I don't make 200 500k a year if I just make the minimum but I'm happy that to me that's that's the goal. <laughs> Were they behind you 100% with that when you told them? Um, maybe not 100%, <laughs> but I think they came around to it. And, I mean, they understand, you know. They don't make a lot of money either, but I think they've gotten to a place where they're comfortable living. And they were able to buy a house all on their own and buy multiple cars. So they understand that money has its limits as well. And... I think, I think they do support myself and my sisters um, in our decisions. Yeah, I think parents usually, you know, they they start with the highest expectations, but they usually start to come down <laughs> as they get older and start yeah. softening and, and start thinking about you know, oh, I only have this many more years to mm-hmm. live, you know. What what they want doesn't really matter so want so much. They really want their children to be happy. I, I hope that's how it is. And maybe also in the regard that maybe they went through the same or something similar where maybe they thought they would do something or achieve a certain level and then, I guess, <laughs> real life settled in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they are where they are. And... I don't know. I don't know if that's a crazy thing to say. (laughs) Well, you are who you are. (laughs) So I think the main point about looking for validation is that the, the number one person you need to find it with is yourself. You need to be happy with who you are. If you can look at what you've done and what you're doing and feel like hey, this is where I want to be or I'm going in the direction I want to go, then you have to be strong enough to not let anyone else tell you what other way you can go. That you're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you have to trust in yourself and you kind of just have to feel it out, you know? It's like that's all of life is just feeling it out, (laughs) I feel like. And you... As you move forward, like you said, the best, the first person that you should take care of is yourself. If you if you are able to find happiness in what you're doing, no matter what it is, if it's making you ten dollars a month or, you know, or a hundred thousand, and you're able to live comfortably, and meet all your necessities, and um, while still loving what you do, I think that's that's the dream for most yeah. people. And I would just like our listeners to think 
about who you want to make happy. Think about who you want to make happy. And if it's somebody else that you're trying to please, if you're doing something for somebody else Mm. to make them proud of you, to make them see you, to make them validate you, our advice is to stop now Mm -hmm. before it's too late because that will never lead to a good place. You're never going to make somebody 100% happy. No matter, it's like, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the thing, right? No matter what you do, yeah, they're if, never going to be good enough. If I had the best job with the most money at the highest corporation, my dad would say, great, now what? <laughs> now what else are you going to do? You know, you need to take care of yourself. So validate yourself because nobody else matters than you. At the end of the day, you have to go to sleep with yourself. You have to be with yourself. That other person is worried about who? Themselves. <laughs> who Their own happiness, too. I mean, we're all thinking about the people that we love and the people that we treasure. We want to make them happy. We do want to make them proud. By the end of the day, we are the ones that we need to please. And I think that most parents do come around to that. I think my my, I know my mom sees me. And I feel like she sees that I'm happy. And I know it makes her happy knowing that I'm happy. Yeah. Seeing us together and seeing that we're that we're making each other happy, that we're you know, we we're taking care of ourselves and doing our thing, just knowing that I know, I know that just knowing that I'm happy makes her happy and, in return. And both of our parents weren't too crazy when we told them you know, our, our respective times that we were gay, mm-hmm. but they came around, you mm-hmm. know, and there were times I'm sure Chris um, thought so too, that they may not come around. What, it, you know, you get that thought, what if they don't? What if it turns out to be one of those bad Hollywood stories where they say, I hate you, get out of my house and never want to speak to you again, I'm disowning you? I think that's more less Hollywood and more rural. <laughs> <laughs> it could be Hollywood. I've seen some stories on Lifetime. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some movies. But, you know, it, it it's really a blessing when your parents come around and say, you know what, I love you for who you are. I, I kind of had these hopes for you. I kind of had these dreams for you. But I guess... I'm going to have to set those aside and be okay with who you are because this is what I got and I'm just happy that you're alive. I'm happy that you're happy. I wonder how much how much that is due to our sense of self-worth and our our assurance as to who we are, you know? When we came out as gay, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's similar to many other people who are gay or... Um, something or by trans anything and when you tell the person when you utter those words it's typically after you've internalized all of that and say you know what this is who i am screw everybody else yeah <laughs> right and I'm there's just, just so, yeah, it's like i'm just telling you just as a courtesy that's what i right. felt like when i was telling my dad i was just like hey you know, I'm just going to tell you before everybody in the church finds out, <laughs> you know, everybody that you yeah. know finds out yeah. I'm gay. 
Oh, blah, 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 blah. I don't like it, blah, blah. Yep, okay, well, too bad. I just wanted yeah. you to know because I want you to hear it on the street and think, no, he's not. I want you to know, yes, he is. <laughs> I wish I wish I would have I would have recorded that moment so I could have heard myself because I'm sure when, when we both told our perspective um, parents and people that we love, there is a sense of, what is that word? Sense of assurance, sense of... You feel really... I know I felt... Affirmation or something? Yeah, I'm freed. I felt free in that moment to tell my, my parents. I mean, I could have told my friends, any other person, but to have the power to tell my parents really before anybody else could, you know? Yeah, you came out a lot sooner than I did. Yeah, I mean, you had you were like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I, I always knew I was gay. I always knew. There was never a doubt in my mind. Well, that's the topic for another session. <laughs> we should do another topic for that. Yeah, um, that would be really nice. So what? let's just wrap this up. I think we've gone long enough. You know, um, what we mentioned earlier about taking care of yourself first, once you are happy and you're sure of yourself it's going to reflect outwardly and other people are going to start accepting you for that mm-hmm. I think that's the main yeah and you deserve to be happy you deserve to be who you really are and you need to ask yourself those questions who am I am I doing what I want to do or am I doing it for somebody else to get something else because yeah just in the end it's not it's not worth it it really isn't, and it, it might be easy for me to say now, but, you know, when I was at my old job, I was just like, nope, everybody likes me. I got lots of money, and, you know, I have this really great job, and and when I left that, I was just like, oh, man, I feel like shit, <laughs> yeah. but, but after going through all that, I can honestly say I'm happy, you know, without any drugs that I haven't got from a psychiatrist in my system that I am happy and I'm okay to live life and and some days are better than others but at least I know that I'm living my truth and how I really want to live so amen so so it's AJ the INFP this is Chris the INFJ we're signing off guys thank you for listening all right love you guys Matt love If you love listening to the show, why not support our cause? We ask for a dollar a month to help grow our website and reach more people. If you feel like what we do is important and makes a difference, we ask that you stop by borderlineidealist.com and click on the Patreon link in the menu. Thank you as always for listening, sharing, and inspiring us to do bigger and better things. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Follow us on our Facebook group and Instagram for more behind the scenes. If you like the episode, why not help AJ and Chris reach more people and leave an iTunes review to help others discover the podcast. Together, we can defeat mental health stigma.